you go in asking for money and you usually get advice. You go in asking for advice, you kind of pique their interest and, and a lot of times you can get money. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This show is all about helping you move your real estate investing business forward. And we've got a special angle to talk about on today's show, and it's based on our best ever guest's background and what he's focused on right now. Let me tell you a little bit about him. First, let me say hi. Ace Chapman, how you doing? I am great, Joe. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, great to have you. And uh, I'm excited because this is going to be a new angle for us. Same format on our, our weekly show, but new angle because it's a topic we've never talked about before. And let me give you a little bit about Ace's background before I mention what the topic is. And I think you're going to pick up on it. Ace is based in St. Thomas and the Dominican Republic and his home, quote unquote, and we'll get into that in a second, is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, you can Read all about him and say hi to him at acechapman.com. He's bought and sold over 40 businesses and has been doing it for 16 years. And he bought his first business when he was 19 years old. And what we're going to talk about on today's show is, first, he bought and sold a real estate business about 11 years ago, Homevestor. And that company was a company, you know, the ones that have We Buy Ugly Homes and um, fixes it and sells it. And so we're going to talk about that. But the higher level conversation, and I think what's going to be really interesting is, have you ever wanted to build your real estate business to the point where you eventually sell it? I've never really thought about that until I was talking to him right before we started airing this episode, recording this conversation. And I thought that'd be a pretty interesting thing to discuss based on his experience. He's bought and sold over 40 businesses, including real estate companies. How do we best position 
our real estate business, should we choose to down the road sell it, how do we best do that? So Ace is going to help educate us on the best ways to do that. And of course, he's going to give us his best advice ever whenever I ask it later. And one other interesting fact about Ace, he is homeless right now, intentionally homeless right now. We'll say that intentionally homeless right now. That's why I said air quotes earlier. Uh, He sold his house about a year ago, and now he's been traveling all over the world doing Airbnb and just kind of uh, working remotely and living his life. So with that being said, Ace, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. So basically, I kind of fell into this. I was 19 years old. I've always been a business nerd. And the internet was kind of a new thing. I was in college and had a friend who told me about this uh, site where you could invest virtual money in the stock market. And it was an online stock market uh, simulator. And I was playing it, but it was always crashing. You could never get responses from the owners and, you know, just complete kind of seemed like everything was uh, chaotic. And so I contacted them as the summer got close about becoming an intern. And they responded saying, well, actually, we don't really want this business. Do you want to buy it? And so that was my very first experience. Uh, You know, I was a broke college kid, had to use some of the tactics that your listeners are, are definitely familiar with as far as getting creative to be able to buy something that you don't necessarily have the money to buy. And I bought that business, and and before I knew it, I was in the business of buying and selling businesses. How'd you buy it, and how much was it? So they wrote back. They said, "Hey, we want to sell this." You know, I knew I had three thousand dollars in in my bank account saved from uh, working the summer before, and I said, "Hey, I, I'm interested," <laughs> not knowing anything about buying a business. They responded with $70,000 as the price. (laughs) Might as well have been a million. (laughs) And basically, I ended up going back to them, getting them to finance half of it, and went to a buddy of mine. He put up about $15,000. And then I kept this a secret from my parents for a really long time, but I took out credit cards for the other about $15,000 to make up for the cash. And it, it turned out to be a, a re- it was a big risk, but it turned out to be a really rewarding one. And we grew that business from about 10,000 users to 200,000 in 70 countries. And it you know changed the course of my life. And did you still have that business? No. And actually, the really neat thing about that is we waited too long to sell. You know, we had big figures. It was supposed to be a million dollar exit and and all of that stuff. And we had people that wanted to buy it. And for those that that can kind of remember back, there was the first dot com bust. And unfortunately, we were survivors of that, but not didn't get nearly as much as we could have before. So we ended up getting about one tenth of what we could have. Most of that went back to my investors. But the huge thing for me was the lesson learned. And honestly, it made me a little trigger happy as far as getting into a business and then selling it. So the next business that I ended up buying I learned a lot of lessons. You know, the first thing was that I got an amazing deal on my first deal. You know, they sold it to me at what's called a one multiple. And, you know, it's standard in our industry is kind of a two or three multiple, which basically means that based on the cash flow, this thing is going to pay for itself in two to three years. 
it was outrageous for me to ask them to also finance half of it, but I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I asked for it and got it. So I learned a little bit about how the whole process really worked. But bigger than that, you know, once I did pay for that second business, it's like, all right, time to sell this thing. And I think I probably would have been more of a long-term holder. Not to say that anything's wrong with that, but I'm glad that I had that first experience because now I think one of the the biggest issues in any business, whether it's real estate or, or anything else, is that, you know, I talk to a lot of owners that are just over their business. They're done with it. They're not excited about it. And they end up holding on to trying to do it too long. And it ends up kind of going and withering away as opposed to focusing on building a sellable asset, which is a lot of times very different than focusing on building something that's just going to take care of you and pay your bills. With the second business, what was it? That was a Plato's Closet. And that's a clothing store, and, right? Yeah. Is that a clothing store? Yeah, that's a clothing store. And so the funny thing is at that point, I was like, I'm never doing this internet stuff again. Now I I have a portfolio of a lot of internet deals. But it's funny to think back, like, I just want to go have a regular business, you know, offline, you know, selling real stuff, all that. So I bought this business and, you know, I was also really impressed. One of the most powerful things when you're looking at these offline businesses is buying an existing business that's already proven it's making money and it's a franchise. So getting financing for that deal was just really easy. And that was one of the main reasons I bought it because literally most of the money from that other deal went back to my investors. So I had the knowledge, which was really valuable. And I'd also dropped out of college to run that business. So the other blessing was that I didn't have a degree to fall back on. So I had to figure out, you know, how am I going to go in and do another deal? So I was able to get a, a corporate gig for a little while, was able to get a loan and financing to buy that business because it was making money. It was a franchise as well. And, and when you've got a good deal, it's easy to put the money together for it. So I, I bought that business and held on to it for a little while and eventually actually took over another one in Alabama and then sold those two together. With the businesses that you have, how many do you currently have in your portfolio? 14. How do you oversee 14 different businesses? So number one, what your goal is determines the business that you're going to buy. And so, you know, just like when you're buying a piece of real estate and you're looking to maybe flip it and it's in a neighborhood where you know, hey, there's a long time on market, you don't want to go in and buy in that neighborhood. So when I'm looking at businesses, I know for me, I don't want to spend a bunch of time running the business or in the business. So as soon as I go in and I see an owner that's tied up in the business, I can cross that one off the list. I need something that's run passively. Everything's already in order. And the great thing is I don't need an amazing deal. You know what I mean? I don't. A lot of people think that I'm in the business of negotiating down these sellers to a rock bottom price. We're already buying things at two times earnings. So if it's priced at two times earnings, it's going to pay for itself in a couple of years 
it's not like I need to go and find a rock bottom deal. I love getting terms and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, anybody, especially somebody who's real estate who realizes, OK, it's, you know, we're, we're happy to have something pay for itself in 10, 15 years. You get an asset that just regular, normal retail price is two to three years it paying itself off. That's really powerful. So I'd rather buy a really great business. Everything's already in place pay them what they're asking for, be able to get the financing, all that stuff, because it's a great business. And it's funny, you know, I was on another interview and they were like, so with your retail businesses, even going back, you know, how much time did you spend at the register? And it was the first time that I realized it, but I have never checked out, run, run, run all kinds of businesses and I've never checked out a single customer in my life. And so that's only done by buying the right business from the get-go. And putting in the systems and making sure the business, yeah, as you said, it's the right business, i.e. it has the right systems in place so that you're not having to micromanage and, and oversee it. And I think I have a million questions for you, but I want to stay focused on the real estate aspect of what you're buying and kind of uh, the advice for how to build a business from a real estate standpoint. Otherwise, you and I, I would be peppering you with questions for about 10 hours <laughs> because I think this is so fascinating. But with real estate, you bought a real estate company 11 years ago, and that was basically a business that buys homes, fixes them up, sells it. What did you learn from that experience? And then the follow-up question, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, how can we as real estate investors slash entrepreneurs slash business owners position our company to be purchased later? Yeah, yeah. So... Number one, you know, when I bought that business, they were buying and selling about 30 houses a year. And that's one of the powerful things is going in, there's has to be some, they're, they're, they have a method of doing what they're getting done at that point. Most people haven't necessarily written out the systems. And the great thing with a franchise, like a franchise like Homevestors, is they've got a lot of the systems in place. But once you get into your market and you start to really do the things that are in their system, there becomes that kind of second layer on, okay, here's what happens when that system meets reality. And you start to build some SOPs or standard operating procedures on top of the systems that are already in the business. So when I bought that business, I, one of the first things that I was just excited about was getting into real estate. I had done deals before and, you know, this was just at a time where it was 2004. There were 20 different flip this house, flip that house, TV shows and all that was new. And, you know, everybody was talking about real estate. So I was excited to get into that space. And so that was one of the things that really attracted me. And then I just love assets that pay for themselves. So we buy this business. They've got a couple employees in there. And it was one of the businesses where I was just tied in quite a bit. I spent a lot of time talking to some of the investors and, and all that stuff. And initially, just because, like I said, I was excited about it. I loved going to the REIT meetings, or not the REIT meetings, like the local uh, real estate investor club meetings and meeting investors. And so it was cool. So that lasted 
for about a year. And then my career ADD kicked back in. And I was like, oh, man, I got to start building this to be able to sell it. And me being the front person, me working with the investors, me being the person that raised private money, all of those different aspects of the business wasn't going to make it a sellable asset. So as much fun as I was having flipping the houses and, and working with everybody, I knew that it was time to get to work building the business into a sellable asset. So I spent that following year systemizing the aspects of the business that weren't already systemized. So for a lot of investors that are listening, you've got the front end of the business that you want to get systemized as quickly as possible. And that's leads coming in for people that want to sell their business. Somebody figuring out, hey, is this a good deal or not or worth going after? The process of deciding if you're going to buy that business, how you're going to buy it. And then you need the leads coming in on the back end that are going to buy the house or rent it from you. And so a lot of that stuff was in place. On top of that, though, we had other aspects of the business. And, and one of the neat side things that was really cool is during that process, I bought a mortgage business. So we had the mortgage business as a part of it. Uh, we're going out, we're raising private equity, uh, not private equity, private money for loans, for own deals. And then, you know, we're, we're working with investors that are, we're flipping the houses to and all that. So we had to kind of full circle systemize all these things so that they work together like a well-oiled machine. The thing that people are looking for when they buy a business is, are they going to be able to run it? And it's everything in place so that it's not just a self-employed job. Most real estate investors that I knew back then and know today, they are, you know, they're self-employed. And if you look at that kind of the quadrants from the rich dad, poor dad days, you know, the goal is to get from that self-employed past business owner into investor and almost just be like a shareholder of your business. And so one of the things that I made a, a big step in doing was bringing in another shareholder who was going to be really active in the business. And that allowed me to make sure I was working on the business instead of in it. He was a minority shareholder. So, you know, he made money with me. That allowed me to go out and sell that business. So it's a little bit unique, a little bit different, but I basically sold majority ownership, controlling ownership of that business, as opposed to selling just the, the assets or the most of the time in a business sale, you're selling the assets of the business, not necessarily an LLC. Wow. Yeah. The question that you said, are they going to be able to run it? And is everything in place so it's not a self-employed job? And I think the mentality of being a shareholder of your business is really interesting. I mean, you, you basically just walked us through how to build your real estate business into a sellable asset using your words. Yeah. That's great. I mean, who would buy a real estate company? You, apparently. But how many are of yous are out there? So a lot of the people that are buying those are people that really want to buy any business. And what people are looking for is some cash flow that's systematic. And a lot of times these people are older, they have some money, and they understand that the last thing they want to do is try to figure something out from scratch. So there are a lot of people that are would-be real estate investors 
but they look at the other folks in the real estate investment club and they're like, man, I'm not going to be out there hustling. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be in the hot sun trying to cut grass or go and walk through. A, I, I remember walking through smelly, smelly houses and, you know, just all this stuff. I don't want to be on the front end of doing a lot of that stuff. And the typical path, not just in, in real estate, but in every business, 99.9% of information about becoming a business owner, no matter real estate business, whatever, is all about starting from scratch. And so most people automatically think, okay, I, this is the path. And, and so most people are on the path of starting from scratch. And we all know the statistics about starting from scratch. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that would be amazing business owners, a lot of people, a lot of people out there that would be amazing real estate investors, but they aren't the type to go through and have to start from scratch and, and do that. And a lot of times they end up getting discouraged and, and moving on and kind of considering it a failure because they had to go through what I call that entrepreneurial gauntlet of figuring everything out from the very beginning. So there are people with money that basically say, I would love to do this, but I want to skip that process of, of figuring out everything from scratch, you know, come into a business. We had a real business. It was a real location, a real office, real employees. You know, like I said, we grew the business by buying some complimentary and strategic assets like the mortgage company. And we grew it into a real entity and, and treated it. You know, we had a real accountant that we paid a lot. I think about the bills we paid him just because we had so many transactions and all that. So everything was in place to make it a real business, which helped make it a sellable asset. And there are tons of folks, you know, like baby boomers that are looking for that second career that aren't looking to get out there and necessarily get their hands dirty starting something from the very beginning. Where do you find them? Uh, the easiest way to sell a business is working with a business broker. So a business broker is going to have people that they're already working with that are looking to buy a business. The second way, and actually they sell more businesses than business brokers, is accountants. I've sold several of my businesses unsolicited just by my accountants coming to me and saying, hey, when you're ready to sell this, we got somebody that wants to buy it. And the accountants are in a unique position where they know everybody's financial situation. They know, hey, this guy can get this tax benefit from buying this real estate investment here. And maybe he's going to like we when I sold my business, it basically was a guy who was going to uh, be keeping most of the real estate. I mean, he was a wealthy guy, had money and he wanted to keep a lot of the deals. And so if possible, you want to have a strategic sale where there's somebody who's going to come in and buy your business for something in addition to just that multiple. And, you know, I remember very specifically, I wasn't necessarily a motivated seller. So, you know, I kind of told my buyer, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not really negotiating. I'm not, you know, trying to be a butt here, but this is the price. This is what I'm going to sell it for. And, and when you've got a business that it does have the SOPs in place, it's got the systems in place, it puts you in a position where you're able to say, hey, I'm happy. I'm, I'm getting a check every month or quarterly or whatever. And things are going well. I'm happy to sell it if you can do th meet these terms. And I'm happy not to sell and keep making money the way I am right now. 
best position to be in when you don't need to sell, but you've got offers that could be desirable. Exactly. Ace, really quick, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? I think that is probably the best advice is starting from the beginning, figuring out how am I building a sellable asset as opposed to thinking, okay, I've got to do this forever and hustle forever to get paid forever. And, you know, the the awesome thing is even when you sell that business, you grow it into a sellable asset and, and sell it, you can hold some equity. You know, you can set it up so you get some seller financing and get you, you get payments over time. So you get increase your price and, and sell it at a premium. You can hold equity. So do you get some dividends for the rest of your life from that business? And, and that's a really powerful strategy that, like I said, it takes you from that self-employed quadrant past the business owner quadrant and into being a shareholder. And, and I think people's goal when you see the most successful people. It's not folks that are, are necessarily actively working in a deal. It's, it's people that are shareholders of a business that grows or shareholders of a lot of different businesses. And so the more that real estate investors can start to see their business like that and treat it as a true asset and business, then I think that's one of the, that kind of, like you said, that second level of building wealth with real estate. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am, I am. All right, first a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding, you've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions that's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read? Pitch anything. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I think it was working with one of my mentors, a guy named Orrin Clapp that raises funds and, and I spent a couple months with him and it changed my life. What's one thing you learned from that? Mostly overall, just raising capital. Like what it is like to go out, he's raised half a billion in capital. And it changed my perspective. I spend a lot of time with investors and raising capital now. Best ever deal you've done? My very first deal because it changed my life. Going back to the raising capital, what's one tip, best ever tip that you'd have for someone who's also raising capital? Man, there's so many. I think really having an organized process. So starting with a, actually, you know what? Keep it simple. The easiest way to get somebody to give you money is asking for advice. You go in asking for money and you usually get advice. You go in asking for advice, you kind of pique their interest and and a lot of times you can get money. Well, under that philosophy, then I should be able to raise billions of dollars since my podcast is called Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, right? Ask for (laughs) advice. Exactly. So how much money are you going to give me, Ace? (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk. Let's talk. All right. Deal. Deal. (laughs) What's the best ever project you're most excited about right now? It's a new fund that we're creating to invest in people that are buying uh, internet businesses. So it's an ideal acquisition fund, and we're putting together a fund that invests in online acquisitions. Best ever way you like to give back? I'm big brothers, big sisters. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? Not not selling my first business quick enough. (laughs) And Ace, what's the best ever place to reach you? Twitter at Ace Chapman. 
This has been a life-changing conversation for at least one Best Ever listener. I know that for certain because of the philosophy that you said. When you start from the beginning, think about how are you building a sellable asset? Because ultimately, that just even if you don't sell it, you position your own company in a way that you don't work in the business. You work on it. And we've heard that before probably through, um, what's that book? E-Myth. E-Myth. Yeah, we've heard it from E-Myth, but... Boy, when we really adhere to that philosophy, as you've seen with the companies that you buy, and you've mentioned probably about 15 times creating a system and it being a system so that you can eventually remove yourself from it and become a shareholder in it. I love this. And I think this philosophy, and I'm going to apply it more so myself than I was before our conversation. So selfishly, thank you for for this conversation. And I'm channeling other best ever listeners saying, thank you so much as well, Ace. We're going to approach our business, our real estate business differently because of what this conversation kind of taught us. So thank you, Ace, for being on the show. Just a fascinating conversation in an area that I didn't expect to kind of learn about. And I'm glad that we got connected and I'm glad that uh, you were on the show. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. 